Nestor the Mess, Waluigi to Mario. Soon to be taught in schools all over Tokyo to solve the mysteries of Nintendo. This was the history of Nintendo. Hello, and welcome to the Negative World Podcast, a podcast about video games by the Nintendo fans and NegativeWorld.org. This is episode 55, and we're recording on Saturday, November 2nd, 2013. I'm your host, Steven, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Joe. Hello. And today is a extended interview with uh, Triforce Bun. Hi, everyone. <laughs> By the time this is coming out, he's going to have a Kickstarter established for a game he's working on. And uh, so I wanted to have him on to tell us about the Kickstarter, about the game, and also about his uh, well-known webcomic, uh, Brawl in the Family. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on. We appreciate you giving us your time. So, uh, so I guess you know, without further ado, we should just jump right in and make the most of our time here. So, uh, Matthew, yes, let's start with some basic uh, kind of get to know you questions. Um, what yeah. do you do for a living, and where are you from? Well, uh, I've been living here in uh, Louisiana, a small town called Gonzales, uh, kind of close to uh, Baton Rouge my whole life, and uh, I'm actually a church pianist. Uh, I play at a few different masses on the weekends, and uh, during the week I do funerals and weddings. Hmm, sounds like a uh, a bipolar <laughs> job. Yeah, some ups I mean, and yeah, downs some there. Yeah. Are, yeah, really, really joyous occasions and some really sad ones. You know, so yeah. it's kind of a lot of mix of that. But uh, you know, it's 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 something I enjoy doing, and it doesn't really feel too much like work to me. You know, right? And that's so, actually the best kind of job you can get. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, it's nothing, it's not like a full salary job or anything, but I kind of do that along with, with Brawl and the family. So usually during the weekdays, I'll be working on art and on the weekends, I'll, I'll just be, a, you know, playing piano. Right, right. Kind and of yeah, a combination of two of my passions, you know? Yeah. If anyone has seen your work, they can tell that there's a lot of effort that goes into it. So it's not like you just draw those things up in two seconds, you know? Yeah. I don't doubt that you spend a lot of time in your week on them. They used to be a lot quicker back when I started. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure if you go back, just like any like The Simpsons or Family Guy, you go back to those old episodes, and and they're so much more basic. And now I'm looking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so also, I wanted to ask a possibly very uh, deep question, but why are you a Nintendo fan? Oh man. Okay. Uh, let me give the abridged version. <laughs> I guess basically, um, I I think what started it was was actually just kind of the situation I grew up in. Um, we had an NES when I was about three, and I was just mesmerized by the worlds and the characters in games like Super Mario Brothers and the original Legend of Zelda. And I, they kind of became this obsession to me. Like, I was definitely a Nintendo uh, kid. You know, I would I would draw in, like, first grade class and stuff. I would draw Mario, and I would draw, like, these maps for, like, you know, sequels, you know, like Super Mario Universe, you know, where... Where Bowser rides a T Rex, you know, and there'd be like maps of these of these new levels and things, you know, they're they're all really stupid because you know I, mean, I was a kid, but uh, but it's kind of this whole lifelong um, uh, admiration of mine of of these worlds and characters, and you know, as as I got older, um, Nintendo I think still has kept maintained that quality for the most part uh, in their games. And it's always something really magical to, uh, you know, to play the latest and greatest uh, games in, in their in their series. Absolutely, and and I really appreciate that your Brawl in the Family comic uses so much of that lore and uh, you know characterization, all that stuff from Nintendo, 
because uh, as as a fan just like you, who's who, you know, it goes deep to the core, long time, you know, started. Uh, it's really entertaining to to check out your work. Okay, thanks. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a big part of that is because I feel that uh, I, I I don't think the comic would be the same if I didn't really really like Nintendo. You know, like sure. if I if if I just kind of like Nintendo and was still about Nintendo, I think it would be a lot more sardonic and kind of. Um, I kind of negative towards, you know, some of Nintendo's like business practices and things like that. But I've always kind of wanted to make it more about, uh, the characters themselves rather than like the company in terms of like, you know, having an executive in a room and he's like, I got this great idea. Let's make the 3DS only 2D. And, you know, and, and like, yeah. I don't know, making a joke out of that, for instance, rather than, um, just having the characters themselves interact with each other. What was the uh, decision to? It seems like you kind of focused your universe around like Kirby and like the Kirby characters, at least, mm-hmm. at least to some extent, at least initially. Yeah. What is it? Was he always like your? Were those your favorite games, or like um, uh, you know, it's an interesting choice to start there <laughs> instead of the cliche, you know, Mushroom Kingdom. I, I think part of that is, um, I mean, I I like the Kirby series a lot. I think some people are mistaken that they think it's it's my favorite of Nintendo series, <laughs> and I mean I really like it, but I I don't know if I'd put any of the games in like my top ten games of all time or anything like that. Um, with with Kirby, I think it started because like when Brawl in the Family started, I didn't necessarily set out to make a webcomic. I was just kind of it started with me just drawing these Kirby characters in really silly situations, and I think part of that was a combination of a. Uh, I just think Kirby is kind of funny looking and, and like DDD is kind of weird looking. And I don't know. I, I thought, I, I just thought of these jokes about Kirby, uh, Kirby's eating mechanic going wrong yeah. in some way or another. He's one of the more expressive or capable of being expressive characters. Yeah. I mean, he's really expressive and he's also really like simple to draw. So I, I just came up with these, uh, a few ideas involving Kirby and King DDD and Meta Knight. And those are like the first 10 comics or so. And when I put them up, people really liked them. So I, I guess as as I've made more and more comics, the core has kind of always been about Kirby because I think that kind of grounds it a little bit. Like um, it 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 makes there be a sort of uh, center to the comic instead of just um, you know one off gags. There's there's sort mm-hmm. of uh, a main character at least, and um, it, it became Kirby because uh, because it started with Kirby basically. So uh, so yeah, he kind of he kind of formed the core of of Brawl in the Family, I guess. And and so, you've been doing this for a long time. When exactly did you start doing this comic? Um, it actually. I mean, you you've hit almost, I, if not like what five hundred comics now. Yeah, it, it's over five hundred comics. It it actually started uh a little bit about a year before it actually went on the on the the computer. Um, the the sketches themselves were probably sometime in two thousand seven, and then uh, I put up I started the web comic uh, site itself at um, April two thousand eight. Uh, well, actually, May 2008, I think, was when it started. And, um, yeah, so it's been running for a little over five years, five and a half years now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, like, two months after Brawl came out, is it not? Yeah, yeah, that, it actually is two months after Brawl came out. And uh, the comic wasn't originally based off of Brawl. It just happened to be a convenient way to uh, <laughs> to tie in Nintendo um, characters all together. The, the term Brawl in the family kind of – I picked that because I like the idea of Nintendo's characters – Basically, being a family, you know, yeah, of sorts, a makeshift family. That's just kind of was it. And not to jump ahead to uh, something I was going to bring up later, but um, mm-hmm. your 
I think it's I think it's your actual uh, number five hundred, the Prodigal robot. Yeah. Uh, that it's kind of an animated video that you did. Right, right. And um, yeah. I loved. I mean, that's something in recent memory of mine. But I loved loved it so much because of how you interpreted Mega Man and his family and friends. And uh, it just it sells so well as far as the concept because of what your your comic has been for the last 499 uh, issues. It's it's really great how after 500 you're still really emphasizing that and uh, and it's all staying a cohesive uh, thought throughout. Oh well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean that that came to mind because I, I feel like there there is a lot of emotion that that people have towards these characters in these series. And in the case of Mega Man, you know, it was it was kind of that that feeling that he was becoming more and more irrelevant, and uh, you know, him being in Smash Brothers was kind of a, almost a second life for the character. So you know, I, I thought that was kind of a nice sentiment to sort of zero in on because I mean, I I'm a Mega Man fan and I felt that way. So uh, yeah, a lot of the comics are about me sort of expressing a, a type of emotion related to the characters. So if that inspires the stories and the situations, what inspires the artistic style? <laughs> um, I, I think it started off really, really simple. Like I, I would actually draw worse than I'm kind of capable of when it, when they first started, because I think the humor was a little more oblique. Like it was, it had kind of a droll sort of feeling to it that um, as, as the comic got older, um, it beca- I think the humor got a little bit more, I guess uh, mainstream is the word. I mean, it sounds kind of negative, but uh, but it, it started off, you know, very quirky and very oddball. And the, I think the art style kind of evolved with that too. I started drawing it more uh, on model, but you know, still, still trying to have it have its own unique style. So I, I guess that's kind of always been the, the the way I've I've drawn for the most part. And um, the the comics just kind of an extension of that. Do you feel like the the artistic style is constantly developing or do you think you've kind of hit a plateau, not in a bad way, but in the sense that you're really content with where things are and you want to stick with this for familiarity and all that? Um, I, I try to strike a balance between something that's, you know, good to look at and something that, uh, is still, I can still produce, uh, without spending, you know, a ton of time on it. But, um, I mean, honestly, the, I think that's, that's one aspect of, of the comic that I feel could always be improved is, is the art style. And it's something that um, that you know I've, I've read a lot about, and I keep trying to improve. And that's something that I feel like, you know, I, I I'm always going to keep uh, adjusting and and improving, hopefully, because I'm never quite 100 percent happy with with the way it looks. But um, related to that, I, I do like to experiment with different art styles every now and then, um, depending on the type of comic I'm I'm doing. It'll be great when uh, when your comic reaches N64 uh level of uh 3D and all that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That'd be really nice. It'll be it'd be kind of angular for a while though. Yeah, like it will. Smooth that things out. But fun with perspective, I guess. Yeah. Um but great. Uh what what hardware and software are you using for this? Yeah, um it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I draw everything in Photoshop using the brush tool and um regarding the line quality itself, uh I started off on a um an Intuos tablet, I think it was, uh, one of those drawing pads where you, we draw directly on the tablet and it appears on screen. And, um, eventually I, I, I invested in a Cintiq tablet, which is a, a separate monitor that you can draw directly on. And what's great about both of those things is that you can, um, your, your pressure determines the thickness of the line, which really makes a huge difference in terms of, um, of the way the line appears. Cause I know, I know games like Art Academy and, um, like Miiverse Post and like going further back, PictoChat, 
they're all really fun to draw on. Like I really like things like that, but they don't have that um that element where the pressure determines the thickness of the line. And having that really brings a lot more um uh it lets it lets you uh really play around with the line width a lot more and, and, and inject some sort of movement into the uh into the outlines, which I think is really beneficial. How do you uh even in Photoshop using that is it just a setting on the brush tool that allows it to not be all um pixelated and fuzzy because like i've tried drawing yeah in photoshop um, before and i don't, maybe I don't know what the <laughs> I, right setting is i think is, you, you you might be using the uh the pencil there's a pencil and there's a brush and the pencil has um the way it works is it's it's all either the one color that you picked or it's you know not and uh so that can kind of have a jagged outline if you pick the brush the brush naturally uh fades out towards the edges of the line to where there's kind of these, like if you're drawing a black line, there's like light gray kind of on the edge. And this gives it a much smoother look to it. Um, so fuzzy, it, it yeah. just makes mine look fuzzy. Like yours oh, it just makes yours look, look fuzzy? Hmm. Yeah, yours still look, um, you know, like vivid and like sharp. Even though you, you have clearly the room for those nuances and that, you know, to do those more expressive lines. But I don't know. Some, maybe it's just probably just something. I don't I know. Think, about well, this, or I mean, this was something that, that I really struggled with for a long time. Like I, I had to look up, I would look at like something Penny Arcade does or something and be like, how do they make those <laughs> lines look like that? Right. And it, I think it was really a combination of, uh, of what I said, you know, um, playing around with the brushes, trying to find one that works for you. And, um, also working big is, is a big part of it. If, if you have a larger image, Okay. Uh, there's, there's more pixels, you know, there's, there's a higher resolution. And so there's, there's kind of more, uh, wiggle room for that, for that gradient. Okay. Okay. That would make so, some sense. Cause like the only answer I ever get is like, well, just do it vector art. Just like, do it forever. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's tricky. It's, it's really something that does require a lot of practice as well. But, uh, but those should be good starting points. You know, if you have the right, uh, the right tools for the job and, um, and you're working big, I think, I think that's a good place to start. Cool. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how long each comic takes? Uh, and also, you kind of touched upon it, but just your general process. Yeah. The, the way that usually works with the paneling is I'll, I'll sketch it up in a sketchbook first. You know, sketch up the basic idea. And then if, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of rewrite it from there. Like, I'll come up with a core concept, and then I'll kind of rework it and make sure the dialogue kind of flows and everything's clear. And this is kind of when I sort of determine how everything's staged in terms of the panels. Um, when it comes to putting the panels down, you know, permanently on the, on the image itself, on Photoshop, um, it's pretty simple. You know, I just make a, a separate panel layer, you know, I call it framing. And then, um, I, I don't know if, you know, how many people know it. This is a, it's a pretty simple trick, but it's really effective. If you hold down the shift button while drawing in Photoshop, it'll just make an automatic, uh, straight line. Right. So I just do that to, uh, to frame out the panels. I'll make a sketch layer that's just, um, me placing everything and then I'll outline it. Uh, with the framing and then with the, uh, with the, the main outlines themselves. And, uh, that's pretty much the process. But the whole thing usually takes about, um, the average comic nowadays probably takes about five, four or five hours to, to finish. Um, color comics take a little bit longer, maybe seven or eight hours. So that's, uh, purely drawing. That's not including the conceptual phase and all that. And sketching. Um, the conceptual, fa- the sketching itself only takes a few minutes because I, I make it really loose just to kind of get an idea of how it looks. Um, but the conceptual phase can really vary. Like I could come up with something like when I'm not even thinking about a, a comic idea. And other times I'll struggle for like 
an hour or so just trying to think of a comic idea and nothing will come up, you know, that, that I'm satisfied with. And that can be pretty frustrating. But I think on average, it takes, you know, about four to five hours for, uh, for a standard comic. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of leads into my next question then. Do you have kind of a, at least maybe at times, do you ever have a bank of ideas that you go to or, or, or do you always kind of make the next one up on the fly? Uh, a lot of your stuff is very timely and I really appreciate that too because uh, looking back, it, it almost gives you a history of Nintendo and then yeah. as you're viewing them each week or um, however you know you release them, um, it's almost like a commentary. And so uh, that's very <laughs> cool. So do you is each idea out of thin air, or do you kind of build up ideas and then let them loose when you can? Or I I I think in uh, web comics they call that a buffer, and I I really like when I have a buffer because you know obviously it's it's a little bit pressure that's a little bit less pressure, but um I I think usually uh, I, I try to think of several ideas at once, and sometimes you know I'll have a little bit, I'll be I'll be a few comics ahead. And more often than not, though, I'm kind of uh, drawing each one pretty much after the the previous one has already gone up. So that's a little more stressful, but uh, but it's it's nice whenever I have several that are that are already ahead. I, I don't really have a master idea bank though that I can I can duck to whenever I, I can't think of anything, which would uh, that'd be nice. But <laughs> but yeah, I'm kind of doing it on the fly for a lot of it. Okay, um, I guess I have to ask the most important question of the entire podcast right now, which is: Is there a central timeline to this? <laughs> Just uh. Does that exist? I mean, are you going to release a central timeline to, yeah. uh, to yeah. call in the family? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it starts with Cocoon Academy. Actually, no, it's, it starts with uh, Mario's birth, I guess, in that in that one comic. And then, See, okay, because I had that kind of in the middle. Like I've been trying to piece it together for years, and oh yeah, yeah. Well, there's a part where it splits. I think when uh, whenever Kirby gets huge and they eats everyone for Halloween, <laughs> which I just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's part of the alternate timeline where everyone dies. Maybe the last one, yeah, will be just Kirby sucking the comic up himself or something. And, yeah, that'll and then be all it. Just ends. And then it all just ends. And then Waluigi's like, man, expecting more? Too bad. Waluigi time. And then he'll dance for the, the rest of the comic. That'll be it. No, I'm not going to end it like that. That'd be terrible. Well, uh, speaking of Waluigi really quick, the uh, Negative World has had a tradition, not this year, but in past years. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, kind of a Waluigi visual... Um, in your face attack, more or less. Uh, yeah. And I'm 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 using s- safe words as opposed to the much more gruesome description I have in my head. Oh, okay. But uh, but yeah, that bombards on uh on April Fools and has that is your drawing of Waluigi, isn't it? I mean, yeah, a lot that, of that's that... my. <laughs> I I had no idea they were gonna do that initially. <laughs> so now um. Pretty much every April first, when I log into Negative World, and I see it, it's like, oh, oh yeah, this is going on again, isn't it? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think it not only does it change everyone's avatar to Waluigi, but uh, it adds that uh, that long wah at the beginning of everyone's post. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's madness, but uh, I can't help I can't help but feel partially responsible for that. Yeah, you're you're more than partially, I think. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I uh, let me ask a question that probably is really obvious to everyone else, but so, mm-hmm. some of the uh, the stylistic choices that go into some of your versions of Waluigi. Oh yeah. That that comes from somewhere else, right? Comes Isn't that like else. the uh like I want to say 4chan or something like that? Like the oh, really like, uh the way the way I the way I draw Waluigi sometimes? Yeah, like when he's being especially I know what you what you're saying. Yeah, there's a certain <laughs> face that's almost a meme and it's kind yes. of like grotesque. That you almost Photoshop on anything that you need to. It kind of looks yeah. like that. I, I see what you're saying. 
I mean, I'm not. I, I'm I think that might actually be a. Uh, that might be unintentional. Actually, okay. <laughs> that, might be an unint- that might be a coincidence. Okay. Because I, I think with Waluigi, it's just uh it's kind of anything goes. Like, I mean, he showed up because I I I was drawing uh the Mario characters in really strange styles one day, and I just really liked the way they ended up looking. So uh, so Waluigi okay. ended up being stuck like that. I'm glad I asked. I think that actually makes your version even cooler then. Oh, okay, if, well, good. You know, if it's not just a, I thought it was you playing with that other thing, which, which, as I made clear, I'm not even all that familiar with. But oh, wait, wait, you seem um, to have linked me to it. Oh, it's like it's like those those crazy, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about now. But no, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't intentional or anything. Gotcha. I think I think part of the thing with with memes is I I try to uh, I try to actually not use uh, memes too much in in the comic itself because. Because I, I feel like they get dated more quickly than uh than a lot of uh I guess Nintendo games that I, that I reference. And you know I appreciate that. I mean memes can be funny, and maybe I'm just kissing your butt here a little bit, but uh, but I think that memes in your comic would almost be uh like almost like jumping the shark. You know you're, okay. you you do your own thing. You don't have to bring keyboard cat and make him keyboard Bubsy or something like that or <laughs> whatever you know you might do. That's the only cat I can think of just now. Um, right. Or keyboard Mario Cat, as we'll have in a month. Or... Uh, keyboard Cat Mario, right? Yeah. right. But uh, actually, yeah. that might be a brilliant idea. Uh, that was my webcomic. <laughs> that was your whole webcomic show? Yeah, it was just going to be that. All right. Keyboard, keyboard Mario Cat in the family. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> keyboard Mario Cat in the family. Nice. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Uh, my, you know, I have one last question, then I'm, I'm going to let Joe take the floor. But my last question here, okay. uh, about the comics anyway, um, the animated comics. I, yeah. I don't I don't know exactly when you started doing them, but I've I've caught a few of them, and I think they're brilliant. I well, mean, I, I get I, I have a background in in film and cinematic arts and uh and just motion pictures, so it's cool to see your your still comics kind of go into that world a little bit. And uh, three of them that that are more recent is the Prodigal Robot that I mentioned, where Mega Man is mm-hmm. um kind of experiencing uh, some issues as as he gets older. Uh, the history of Nintendo was brilliant. The way that you kind of mm. paid homage and and did everything uh, as far as the history of Nintendo, even going back to, yeah. to the Love Hotel days, I believe. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and that was number four hundred. Prodigal Robot right. was five hundred, and mm-hmm. then there was uh, Home, <clears throat> which kind of I think that was a holiday one mm-hmm. for Christmas. Yeah, it was. It was a series of uh, there were a series of Christmas comics with involving one character in a different character's world, like kind of taking a holiday vacation. So yeah, the theme the theme there was that they all kind of returned home for the holidays and uh and they kind of brought kind of brought that all together with the with the song. But yeah, the uh the animated comics um I think that started with the uh the Grinch one was the very first one because I was doing an, an extended Grinch parody and I really wanted to do a version of the song. So uh it was kind of like a musical comic like it would play when when the when the comic appeared. And I've kind of done those from uh, for every 100 comics as well since 200 I think it was. Uh, Ode to Minions, and um, I mean those those I really like doing because they let me combine uh, my passions of art and video games and music into one thing. So I, I really like doing them. They just they take an incredible amount of time to do. By far, they're the longest uh, uh, <laughs> comics there are um, in terms of uh, in terms of the the work that goes into them. So then, as far as creating those, uh, do you use Adobe Premiere? For like a, a linear editor and then uh, or non-linear editor, and then kind um, of bring in stills or how do you animate that stuff? I, I feel like 
I, I'm doing it in a really roundabout way that I feel like there's got to be an easier way to do it because I'm, I'm drawing each one in, in Photoshop and then I'm just saving each image separately and then putting it into, um, my wife actually has been he- helping me lately with the editing, just putting it into Movie Maker. Mm. And, and, uh, so like whenever there's a, an animation that's, um, you know, several frames like Mega Man running and shooting, each one of those frames has to be put into Movie Maker for like one tenth of a second, you know? So, uh, it's a pretty tedious process. But uh, there I, might be a program that automates that, but you're just doing it old school. You doing it old as, school, yeah. You might as well have, uh, you know, one of those giant light boxes and, and just. Yeah, so I can just flip them, you know, it's like, <laughs> they, like Disney animators do. <laughs> you know? And that's cool, though. Yeah, I'd like to do more anime comics in the future. And because of their uh, the work involved, it's probably just going to be every 50 or 100 or so, maybe for Christmas. But but also, that makes them more special. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you were to do one, um, one a month, I mean, I guess I'd find that really cool because, I mean, I look forward to those, but. Uh, it would diminish the uh, the special nature of them. So, yeah. I don't think people are are dying for you to change what you're doing now. I think you've got a good good ratio uh, going. Joe is, uh, I mean, I, I'm a fan, but Joe is like a mega fan compared to me. Um, he's <laughs> right. he's just he's just read a lot more of them. I mean, have you read every single one, Joe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I haven't. So, all right, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's a I lot have, of reading. It's a, I I really want to go back and and catch up and everything but uh but joe he's he's checked out every one he loves them and uh so i want to give him the floor for a minute to uh to kind of gush uh he's got a some of his favorites he wants to uh discuss well i'll say first of all i have under my uh firefox bookmarks i have you know games and then the comedy subfolder and in that subfolder is only penny arcade uh awkward zombie i don't know if you've heard of that one yeah 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 and then brawl in the family so all right that's, but that's good um, company being. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I just thought I would take this opportunity and be selfish since I have the opportunity to interview you and walk you down memory lane for some of my favorites, my top three. These are my oh, top okay, three all time. So I'll start. I'll kind of like describe the premise, and then we'll see if you can fill in the blank and and maybe just tell us how that particular one got created so okay great yeah can you start with number three then because i like i like when top lists go from the bottom oh. to the top. okay all right i was gonna go chronologically but all right so let's oh, oh okay. now now i have to decide between them oh um, okay <laughs> you can you can do them chronologically if you want i didn't i'll I do didn't cr- yeah i don't know I, it's like picking well it would be your babies i guess but i oh. um, <laughs> but anyway all right so the first one it's um so it stars uh yarn kirby Oh. And it's when some of the other Nintendo properties start throwing their hand in the material genre. Oh, uh, yes. Experimenting. Paper <laughs> yes. Mario, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Paper Mario is the first one. Mm-hmm. And, and where did you take us from there, Matthew? Let's see. I think then we had Fuzzy Peach was next. <laughs> yep. And Fuzzy yep. Peach ended up looking like... Uh, she looked like those weird things at the at the carnival that you shoot with water, like the clowns with the hair. Yeah, actually, that's a very uh, that's appropriate a, description. Yeah, it's very fuzzy. And then, uh, then, and here comes Chain Link, and then comes Chain yeah. Link, and they have chains. You know, an interesting thing about that: we had a fan art contest on the Brawl on the Family forums, and someone made um, a version of that using that concept of Chain Link. Uh, they made a chain like Legend of Zelda uh, image. And it was awesome. Like Link was made out of like paper clips and chains and things, and then Ganon was made out of like a stapler or something. And it was really cool. It really made me want to play a game like that. So I thought that was really cool, like how he just expanded on that whole concept. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stephen has done some research and informs me that that was uh, 
uh, webcomic 285 if people want to oh, go. very nice. Check, yeah, it, I, check it out. I don't know the numbers right off the hand, but yeah, 285 October, sounds about right. October 22nd, 2010. Yep. Okay. yep. Uh, all right, so next, this is... Um, oh, man, so good. Um, so this is when Lakitu is faced with a, with a moral dilemma as to whether or not to do his job as it typically appears in Mario Kart. Oh, yes. This is that yes. single image. That's single, the vertical yep. one. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. From, yeah, this uh, one... Um, November 9th, 2010. November 9th, 2010. Yeah, this was... Um, I think this idea started because of... Uh, yeah, like he too... In, in Mario, you know, he's an enemy. And then in Mario Kart, he's forced to help out Mario. So, so this is just basically that, that, that conflict of interest, I guess. And I, I, I'm really happy with the way that, that actually unfolded and that you see Mario doing all these horrible things first. Mm-hmm. And then you scroll down, it's all part of a, a thought bubble as, as, mm-hmm. you know, like he is looking sort of mischievous, especially his cloud, I think, and Mario mm-hmm. is, is in the water. This yeah. is, yep. this is my first time seeing this one, number uh, 290. <laughs> And it is awesome. Yep. I oh, love thanks. it. I, I, I'm like right now in my head. I'm thinking, would this be a good phone background? But uh, <laughs> I don't know if it, if the top would be a little busy. Uh, I, I thought about making it a poster at one point. That would be cool. Nice. It could actually work. And and I don't know if you guys watch Breaking Bad, but it's funny. This is making me think of that show. A uh, certain moment in that show. I won't go into details oh, yeah. for spoilers, but uh, yeah, it's just funny that this made me think that. I think I know what you're talking about, and that's that's a very interesting uh, comparison to draw. But I think I, I think I know just what you're talking maybe, about. Maybe maybe it's the anyway. glasses on lack too. Yeah, it could <laughs> be, could be, it could be a Walter White thing. But, uh, but no, I just. But absolutely, yeah. I love I love this comic, and this is exactly what I was trying to say earlier, Matthew. Is your comics have so much truth to them, mm. Um, mm. and also they just I don't even know the best word. They just uh, exude well, this feeling of. Not fanboyism in the, in the bad way, but just like a tr- you're a true fan, you understand the the themes and concepts and all this stuff, and you think about it deeper than just pressing A, pressing B. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's great, and and it's, I've I've been playing Nintendo since I was four years old, and uh, you know, well over twenty years now, and and I totally get this, and and I'm so glad someone's out there uh, doing this because I sure as hell I'm not gonna, I can't if I wanted to. <laughs> so I appreciate that I'm able to get this content. Uh, for free, like a selfish bastard. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I, I love that there's other people out there that, that, you know, are Nintendo fans the same way I am, and, they, and, they, and they're, you know, they're, they enjoy this kind of thing. So I think that's great. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of reminds me of what I always say makes the best mysteries, and it's, like, the best mystery to me is the one where, at the end, like, you never would have figured it out, but you could have. You know, like, the oh, yeah. clues, like, the clues were there the whole time. And, mm-hmm. like, in some of your comics, the ones that uh, resonate most with me are the ones where it's like, like with this Lakitu one, where it's like, it's so obvious that he should be facing this dilemma based on the way he's been treated before. But <laughs> you, but I never would have thought of that on my own. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, right, well, thanks. Yeah. It's a anyway. nice, yeah, it's a, it's a nice, uh, nice deconstruction of the concept. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So the last one, um, is uh is a pushmo comic and oh, pushmo. Uh, similarly to the um to the one the, and uh, only pushmo comic I think. <laughs> yeah so this is when uh some other nintendo characters tried to get in the act and uh, yeah. didn't go over so well so tell us about 
Tell us about how this this one came about. Um, I I really liked Pushmo when I played it, uh, and I really wanted to make a Pushmo comic, and I, I remember struggling with it for a while because uh, I don't remember exactly. I had an initial idea, and I didn't really like it that much. And then I think um, I'm not sure exactly where the idea of Nintendo characters uh, uh, going, you know, trying trying to to do what Mallow does uh, came from in the first place, but. Uh, I think it might have started with Kirby, you know, being able to fly up there. So I was like, okay, you know, he could fly up there and that'd be kind of a cheat. But is that enough to carry a whole comic? You know, and I thought, okay, well, what if the, these other characters do it? And then that, that led to Link, of course. I was like, okay, yeah. Link already pushes and pulls blocks. So, so he could do that. And, and they're going to have a twist at the end with the hook shot, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that, I guess, I guess that's pretty much where I came from. And, uh, I had fun also making a Samus's panel because, uh, because of, like that little extra energy tank that just happens yeah. to be under there, <laughs> which is just <laughs> sitting under the pushmill level, of course. Yeah, this was she, did, uh, she uh, knows how to find them. This was one of my first ones that I saw, and and it's nice seeing it again because uh, it, the punchline is brilliant. As, as a huge fan of Pushmo and, and all these <laughs> franchises, not so much Kirby. I, I like, but here's what's great about your comic. I, I I'm not big into the Kirby games. Everybody knows this. I'm pretty vocal about it, but I like the character a lot. So you're you're allowing okay. me to enjoy the character without actually having to play the games. <laughs> all right. So no offense to Nintendo. It's quite a privilege, all right. And like I feel like a like a second tier webcomic would have stopped at that second to last panel. You know, like if I was trying oh. to make this, I probably would have stopped at that second to last panel and been like, "This is funny," because because <laughs> Link pushes stuff. Yeah. But but it was it's that last one. Oh man! So well, I'm glad you like that last panel because a lot of the times I'll I'll make a comic and uh, the people on you know I'll get feedback where it's like oh you should have just ended it here you know or, or oh, you know, really it, it, yeah yeah too many it, it's funny because it it feels like the last panel is automatically um, funnier than the ones before it and mm-hmm. the ones before it regardless of how funny they are aren't as funny as. Um, they could be if the if the comic ended with that panel. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it sounds really strange, but uh, but it's almost like if you find something funny before the end, you sort of hold in your laughter a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's it's a really weird phenomenon, but but that's kind of what I've observed. So now it's it's a really tricky uh, balancing act to make sure the funniest part is at the very end of the comic. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty weird. Well, you nailed it with this one, I think. So, All right. well, thanks. I don't know. I mean, you probably should have went one more panel. <laughs> one more panel. <laughs> Just so we can see, see her get impaled with a hookshot. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, for and those who want to. The, the trick to making it family friendly is always to end it before something horrible happens. You know, you can, mm. you can have the implication of of brutality, but. Mm. Uh, <laughs> As long as you get it before, then you're, you're okay. Well, all, all the best, you know, uh, writers and directors and stuff—they know how to hold back and how to make the the uh, audience be the one to fill in the blanks. And that's really what brings yeah. the most fear, the most emotion out of them, is because they they bring their own emotion to the table. So, looking at Link uh, almost <laughs> impaling somebody with his hookshot is both hilarious, but also. Uh, a great place to end because of that. We can kind of infer, and and we each have our own different reaction. You're not defining the reaction we have to your comic uh, oh, by by forcing that last panel. <laughs> well, and I just love the earnest look on Link's face. So he's just he's you know he's just what this is how I would solve it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not, he's not malicious. You know, it's just, right. it's the way he does things. What's the problem? But that at that point, um, is it is his name just Grandpa or something? What's that? Um, I think they just call him Grand Grandpa. Yeah, okay. But at that point, his patience is over for these crazy <laughs> other Nintendo 
when worlds collide, this is like the, the greatest asset to uh to bro on the family is just is just going back to that to that well because it's, there's just a lot you can do with that. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen informs me this is uh, installment three hundred ninety one. Yep. If people want to go check it out, January and I could 16th. probably go on for dozens of these, but those are <laughs> I tried to pick a top three, and that's what I settled on. I so. say. Well, before the next podcast, Joe, you put them all in order for us, and we'll just announce them on on the air. All five hundred <laughs> plus. All five hundred plus. Oh wow! Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> no we'll dedicate time. that time to you, and then and then I'll go through the trouble of making chapter markers in the enhanced podcast for each one. Oh boy! Um, <clears throat> yeah, that won't happen. Uh, so okay, so we should probably change gears. I want to give you enough time to talk about your other project. But mm-hmm. last question I got to ask. I don't know even what the legal capabilities are of this, but it, would there ever be a book? Brawl in the Family book? Yeah, because I would love like a coffee table type book of all these I comics. I think there would possibly be one. Oh. Hmm. Do I have to go back and edit this out <laughs> for your sake? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. There is a book. That's the great news. Really? Yeah. Is it already out? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's out. So let's see. If I look at your store, it's, it's awesome. a- B- BITF books. Um, yeah, look at that. Volume one, hardcore. Holy moly! That's right, man. It, it is. It is the Brawl in the Family coffee table book. I have answered your wish. Wow! Just like that. It's amazing that you know either I was so oblivious or you just happened to go back in time just to s- resolve this for me that quickly. <laughs> I know, think it's that one because the, I didn't know either. The site is a little uh, funky right now, but if you if you click on the story, you can see inside the book. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally uh, looking at it right now. Um, yeah. So. so, volume one, just to kind of yeah, clue us in, you have first uh, 200 comics. That includes the uh, the initial Waluigi comics. So it's actually more than that. It's like 230 something comics, and um, it also includes all sorts of bonus stuff. Because because I'm of the opinion that the comics are already online, so I want to add extra stuff to the book to make it really mm-hmm. um, worth getting. So there's like a whole making of section. There's like a, a a 10-page, like, short story beforehand that involves Kirby. There's, um, like, a character section. There's special thanks. There's, like, uh, there's some other stuff. It's, it's like, 200 pages. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. I mean, fantastic. And you can get it in hardcover or uh, paperback. Yep. And, yep. Um, for something like this, I'd probably want it in hardcover, frankly. Yep. Um, this is awesome. And then, so, uh, this is the first 200. You're already at 500. When's, when's Volume 2 coming out? Um... That, or is it already I'm out? Not, and this is oh, no, no, it's not out yet. Oh. Um, that, I'm still kind of trying to figure out the timeline because that, that's a little bit tricky with uh, with the number of books and and the effort. Like I actually made a Kickstarter for the uh, Brawl in the Family Volume One book, and that's why I was able to put so much into it. Oh, so fantastic. with another book, I'm I don't know if I can do another Kickstarter for the book, but if I did, I'd have to do it a little bit further away from Hepal uh, Treble. And so uh, it's it's something I'm still kind of bouncing around. Uh, what a tease! You're gonna make us wait, you know. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe maybe you'll release two and three together then when you've hit 600. I, I I'm considering doing that. But uh, I mean, is, you gotta uh, do what you gotta do. Yes, yeah, I did not. I, you know, I just I go to the uh, comic, I click through the comics, and I laugh, and then I leave. But <laughs> I, need, uh, I don't know if I need to make it more obvious is, uh, or something. This hardcore or uh, hardcover version's going on my Christmas list. I think oh, this is pretty awesome. Christmas gift. Sweet, I'm learning. 
Yeah, cool. well, we're all learning. <laughs> well, you guys should go, uh, you know, go pick the book up. Uh, I'm just looking at at the current price it's at right now. My geeky self calculated that it's uh, 22 cents per per mm. comic. Yeah, that's uh, not bad for the hardcover. So right. uh, if you right. get the paperback, it's even cheaper. Uh, and mm-hmm. how can you argue with um, 22 cents per comic? I'm sure many people would pay more just to view them online if they if they could. Not to yeah. give you ideas. I think a lot of us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the the free uh, updates, but right. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, 20 fantastic. cents for the final pain. Yeah, and, and you were you were wondering about the uh, you know the whole legal ramifications. That's that's a question I get asked a lot. Um, Brown the family actually falls under parody because it is not um, affiliated with Nintendo, and it's not something that can be confused as an official Nintendo uh, product. Right. And that's the same reason why you have comics like Penny Arcade that can sell books as well. Uh, Awkward Zombie, I think, uh, also sold a book, and um, you know they have they have characters in them, but it's not official art that. You know, they're not using official art from the games, same as me. You know, it's all sure. hand drawn. And it's not something that can be confused for the original work. So, uh, that's, that's the way that works for anyone that's confused about it. But that, yeah, that's something I had to look into for uh, quite a while just to make sure everything was okay. And, um, for selling stuff on the store, I actually contacted Nintendo when the store first opened. Um, oh, about wow. that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So, so yeah, nothing, good. nothing shady here. So that's good to know. That's good for you because I feel like, you know, had I been doing this, I would, you know, I would have looked up the uh, legality and then kind of just like sent it out there and hoped. <laughs> but that's good for you to actually contact yeah. them. And so I'm assuming they, they just said it was okay, right? Because they they sort of gave a kind of a non-committal answer, but it was it was oh. pretty much that. You know, it was it's kind of hard to describe, but uh, right. But Do yeah, they respond it, it with like I dare you, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, try, try. <laughs> I just got a, a a picture of Reggie's face all close up. That's all they think. <laughs> no, 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 it was, it was, uh, it was fine. They were, they were, they were I, I feel they were cool with it. <laughs> cool. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, let's move forward then, because I want to get to this. Absolutely, this is actually the main reason we we had you on. We just love your comics so much. We had to gush. Oh, uh, the Kickstarter. So, mm-hmm. again, technically, let's pretend this is in the future and people are listening to it right now, and um, yes. the Kickstarter's out. So it'll be kind of weird to to ask you questions that are kind of in the past, but whatever. Um, tell us about your game, because, I mean, the basis is that you're, you're working on a game and uh, you're, you're doing a Kickstarter for it because you want to be able to actually do the game justice. Right. And uh, so tell us what it's called. Uh, tell us the general kind of facts about the game and, okay. uh, and then let us know what, what inspired it in the first place. Okay. Uh, the game is called Tadpole Treble, T-R-E-B-L-E. And the concept is, uh, it started... You know, I've had this concept for actually a really long time, like around 10 years or so. I've, I've always wanted to make a game like this. Um, and it kind of it was inspired by my dad, um, who's a musician as well, uh, playing in Finale, which is a music program. And, uh, you know, the notes would go by, he would write music and he would play it back. And as the notes go by, you know, you hear them play as, as this line kind of crosses them. And I thought, you know, that was, it, it made the, the music really sort of stand out to me like you really were paying attention to the notes and and you could really get a new appreciation for the music and being a video game fan you know a huge one i thought wouldn't it be cool if there was a game where the notes you know going by determined that the music like the level itself so in other words there were obstacles and you had to dodge them and that kind of led to uh the idea of controlling a tadpole so the concept of the game is you play as baton who's a newborn uh tadpole and you're swimming through these different levels, trying to make your way home. 
And as you're as you're swimming through the levels, the notes come by, and you know if the music goes do 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 do, you know the the obstacles will do that too. So determining um, depending on how intense the music is, that determines uh, how how difficult the, the level is, basically. Does so the name that, does the oh, name sorry, come from uh, does the name come from your proximity to Baton Rouge at all? Uh, that was part of the reason I picked Bataan. Uh, the other part was because all the, all the, the creatures in this game have some sort of musical name. And I sure. thought Bataan was, was really fitting because, um, she's basically kind of controlling the music in a way, you know? And I, I think tadpoles are also shaped like Batons a little bit. <laughs> I get so, it. So there's, it's kind of three reasons. Is the, is the Bataan Rouge and, uh, and the other two reasons. Music. Sweet. That's a great observation, Joe. <laughs> yeah, good catch. <laughs> um, so is there, uh, is there going to be a story or is there a story here really? Or is it? Yeah. The, the core concept is actually, um, you're, you're, you know, it's kind of an arcade game at heart in that you're, you know, going for high scores. You're trying to make your way through these stages and, um, it's sort of a simple story in that you're trying to make your way home, but things keep cropping up. Bad things keep happening, you know, uh, and one level, she might uh, fall off a waterfall and be stuck in a jungle. And another level, she might actually be eaten by an eel and have to go through its belly, um, which mm-hmm. coincidentally has notes in it. And uh, one of the things I really want to do with this game is uh, between each level to tell, kind of tell, you know, the simple story is uh, have these comic scenes that would, you know, if you think about games like uh, Uendan and Lead Beat Agents, how they have those actual mm-hmm. comics. Um, you know, the uh-huh. unveiling comic form. I think that's a really good way to uh, present a little more character to the game without having to, you know, have like CGI cutscenes and voice acting and stuff. It's something that's really in my realm of familiarity for uh, obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm totally envisioning like Ninja Gaiden esque cutscenes, but uh, <laughs> but you know that'd be doing a disservice because obviously you have uh, a lot of history and background uh, doing comics, which the cutscenes could totally fit into that. That's great. Right. Um, who is doing the the music for this? Uh, is it? Well, actually, before I even ask that, who uh, else is working on this with you? Anyone? Uh, right now, it's my brother and I who are really trying to push the the game as far as it can go, and we've uh, we've got a, a programmer with us as well who's worked on uh, several things in the past. Um, he's worked on I think some Xbox three hundred and sixty games and a lot of mobile games, and he he really knows what he's doing, which is good because. Uh, like programming is is you know really foreign to me, and my brother's kind of coming around on it, but we really need this extra programmer to help us uh you know get the skeleton of the game running. Sure. Um, as for the music, I'm actually doing the music because um, music is is one of my passions, and you know you, anyone who's who's listened to the comics and Brawl in the Family knows that I you know, I really like doing the the musical comics, and um it, it's just a really fun challenge to write a song that. Um, not only is catchy, but it fits the level's theme, and it also doubles as the uh, level design. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if uh, you know, I could have a song that has a cool melody, but it'd be really easy to swim past. You know, right? Good point. So I have to kind of think about you know how these harmonies can work and what path the player can take. So it's really a, a unique challenge. So I've been having a good time with it. You know, the brilliant thing about only having, you know, I've just played the demo levels that are up there, but, um, uh, it's really cool that I didn't even, that that didn't even occur to me. In other words, the music felt just like well written music, and the level just felt like a fun level to play, as opposed to, you know, if something were, were less, um, 
less organically. It was just like, oh, that run just is there to make it difficult to get around or something like that, you know? Okay. So that's, uh, yeah, so I think you're accomplishing what you're setting okay. up to well, good. pretty Thanks. well. Yeah, Yeah. and, and regarding the music, we, we really want to try a, a variety of different songs. Um, in, the, in the demo, one of them is kind of an 8-bit sort of homage, and the other one is sort of like a kind of like a Russian circus waltz. And, uh, we, I mean, we got all sorts of different songs. Um, there's actually one level, uh, called Thunder Creek that's actually has, actually has full vocals that'll be sung by us. Wow. And it's kind of a Western, uh, song. And it, it's just really fun to, I think, to have songs with vocals in games, you know, like, um, you know, not necessarily licensed music, but, but actual songs written for the game, like in Conquer, for instance. Yeah. I, I think Clay Fighter actually had a, an original song too. So. Well, I gotta say that chiptune one, uh, early Mega Man games is like the best music I've ever heard. And okay, good because I was kind of chilling. Yeah, the chiptune one reminded me of early Mega Man, so I was like, "All right, good, good." That's what we were going for. Sweet. And so, uh, how many levels total are you planning? And uh, and I, one of the well, okay, so you you let me and Joe try a demo version, which had one level, mm-hmm. and then one was a boss level. So right. how many levels and how many bosses and like how do you plan on structuring the game in that sense? Well, I, I don't want to speak too much about the number of levels yet because that's still kind of up in the air and sort of dependent on um, on how we do. It's something that you know I'd like to put in as many levels as possible, obviously, but um, I really want each one to kind of have their own feel and uh, you know in some cases their own gimmick. Um, but I can tell you that the bosses will be um, right now. The plan is to have two regular levels, then the third level will be a boss level. So every three levels, um, the third one will be a boss level. Okay. And so then the amount of, you know, these level uh, packs, or not not that you're going to release them that way, but just these chunks of right. levels, these sets, uh, that could obviously change, and you're not really sure yet. Yeah. That, okay. that's, that's not, we kind of have a number in our mind, but I, I, I don't want to uh, focus too much on that just yet because uh, we're not entirely sure uh, how many we'll be able to finish. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then... Do you plan on including multiplayer into this in any way? Is that even possible? Have you thought about it? You know, we have we have definitely thought about multiplayer. We think it would be really cool. Um, that's another thing that sort of depends on how we do in the Kickstarter because it's it's a concept that that would require a lot of programming. So we'd have to you know get um, you know that and that takes you know time and money obviously. But uh, there's there's several ideas that we have that we think would be really cool. There's there's one idea for co-op where, um, you know, you, you both control the tablets at the same time and maybe at one point you have to intersect them. Like they have to both be on the same line to get certain bubbles or, or they, you know, they have color coded notes or bubbles that only one color can get. So you're sort of playing with, you know, your friend. Um, the other concept was more of a counter op thing where like, say if it's on the Wii U, uh, someone could place notes on the gamepad in real time while the player playing on the screen is dodging them. So that would be kind of a versus mode. So I, I think those would be really cool, but that's those are a little more hypotheticals right now, depending on how we do. Yeah, well, hopefully you get there, because uh, w- with the Wii U, one of the great things that I've been looking forward to since its uh, unveiling was stuff like that. And there was that Rayman game, I think the one that just finally came out, where uh, yeah. there was that level, it's not the whole game, but there's those levels where Rayman's running through and you actually do stuff kind of to tie in, in time with the music. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that concept's really cool. And then also it sounds like mm-hmm. you're also kind of um, thinking about what Mario did with the uh, with the kind of co-op where you could, um, in, in, in the Mario game, you're providing platforms for your other friend to uh, 
to use, but here right. you're kind of doing that to almost, uh, you know, obstruct them and everything. Yeah, to kind of trip them up. Right? So that's uh, that's great because some people use those platforms to trip people up. <laughs> so so <laughs> yeah. it, it won't be foreign to uh, Wii U gamers. Yeah, I like asymmetrical multiplayer. It's pretty neat. Yeah, and, and it's something that I, I guess wasn't necessarily possible uh, very easily in the past, but it's mm-hmm. one of the great, um, if not the greatest, hope I have for the Wii U being a success is, is more of that. I right. mean, Nintendo Land, if they if it did anything right, it was showing that asymmetrical gameplay can be really, really engaging mm-hmm. uh, with the right people. So, Right. So, great, and that kind of alludes to my next question. Um, what platforms are you aiming for? Um, right now, the basic build is for PC and Mac, and we have a stretch goal for the Wii U, and I really want to develop for the Wii U because this is kind of... Um, you know, if you're, if you're listening to earlier, obviously I've always been a Nintendo fan, but the fact is, um, this has kind of always been my dream to have a, uh, a, a video game playable on a Nintendo system. So I, I really would like to have, uh, this game playable on the Wii U. I feel like the, the audience is there, you know, I have the Brawl in the Family audience already. And the game, I feel, is, is, you know, obviously inspired kind of by Nintendo's design principles, I think. Um, you know, it's family friendly and it kind of has this arcadey concept that is easy to learn, but difficult to master. So, uh, I really want, uh, PC, um, Mac and Wii U. Um, there's a possibility for more platforms, but those are kind of the, the focus right now. And, uh, if you did manage to get it on Wii U, would you support off TV play? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think off TV play is great. Yeah. Uh, I guess it wouldn't necessarily work in certain modes, of course, um, Right. If there was a a mode that required the uh, gamepad to work separately, um, you know, that wouldn't. But uh, I think that the basic game that we're developing right now could could definitely work as an off uh, TV mode. Right. And then um, what kind of control schemes then would do you think you would support? Would you try to support, uh, you know, the classic controller or the, um, you know, all those the different things? I mean, sideways controller. I know know it's just a stretch goal at this point, but... I'd like to, I mean, support pretty much any of the controllers. I think more options are, are generally a good thing when it comes to control. Um, the game's controls themselves are pretty simple, so I I don't know if there would be really a need for, uh, for you know, I don't know if people are necessarily going to really want to use Pro Controller or whatever, but, I mean, you know, it would be nice if the option was there. Sure. But, yeah, the controls are just up, down, and one action button, so I think any controller would really be compatible with it. Now, can you... Um... You know, you know, politicians they they make that one big promise that really kind of sells everything. Will yeah. you will you go on record and say that I will not use waggle to smack things because the, the tap hole <laughs> can whip things? Can you promise no waggle? I think I can go ahead and promise that right here. And no I think waggle you're, I think the Kickstarter things. just just hit its goal. There we go. Oh, nice. <laughs> I think it did for that. <laughs> <laughs> that should be your headline, actually. Uh, Tadpole treble, no waggle, bam. No, now with no waggle, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know. I know. This is uh, something that, I mean, re- related to that, we really want the uh, hitting things mechanic to really be on the beat. So if there's any sort of uh, slightly off uh, feeling thing like that, 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 that's something I've been kind of getting my brother to, to fix because it's something that I really think is important. So yeah, waggle would be a little uh, too unreliable for that. Yeah, I appreciate that because uh, Rhythm Heaven Fever is is one of those music games, music rhythm games yeah. that I absolutely love. Never expected to love it, but I fell in love with that thing. We have a little love affair going on still. <laughs> and um, I did eventually pick up the original Rhythm Heaven on the DS, and I yeah. like it, but uh, the tapping, just relying on the stylus to hit the screen and hit it in the right way, 
just does not feel solid enough for me to to really go go all in for it like just like a button press does and and yeah. a waggle or or any other method besides a button press i think would would not that it can't be done but i appreciate that you that you understand the uh the importantness of uh uh of you know getting that spot on in a music game which not that yeah. you, it sounds like you wouldn't, but uh, to, to hear you say that reassures the, me. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's a reason that that instruments are controlled with buttons. You know, mm-hmm. except for the trombone, I guess. The trombone uses waggle. And well, and the theremin, that's kind of. Oh, the waggle. theremin does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so if there's a theremin, mm. we might have we might have waggle. <laughs> I think you're giving waggle waggle a little too much credit here, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think too many trombone players would call that waggle, but <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. I guess, yeah, um, or slide whistle players, slide whistle players, yeah. <laughs> those professional <laughs> slide whistlers. Um, <laughs> so I guess one of the things that makes multiple platforms possible is uh, is I'm guessing. I mean, I want to get your answer on this, but the the demo you provided us is was made with the uh, Unity web Unity, player. Yes. I I had to install something. Um, and and when I checked it out on Wikipedia, you know the uh, the end all for information and truthful <laughs> information, correct information, um, that apparently is uh, a platform that actually can be expanded to like Xbox and probably the Nintendo and all these different things. Is that yeah. is that what you're going to stick so, with? Yeah. Then? Wii U uh, supports Unity as well. Um, yeah, that that's uh, what's nice about Unity is is actually a it, it's good for indie devs because it's got kind of a nice, fairly easy to use interface. And uh, you can do some pretty powerful stuff with it. So right now it's working for us, and uh, I think we're just going to stick with that. Cool. There, there's a bit of a debate in the gaming world about whether or not multiple save states are necessary or user profiles or how that works. And I know it d- mm-hmm. depends on the platform totally. Uh, for the Wii U, I know that you know when you pretty much click on your own character and then that's kind of it. I mean, do you plan on having multiple save states or multiple save profiles within the game itself? Um, um, maybe to compare with friends locally or like, you know, your spouse or something like that. I mean, honestly, I, I really like the multiple save files. Um, I just played Pikmin 3 and I was kind of, I mean, I liked the game a lot, but I was kind of disappointed you only had one save file because then to restart it, you have to uh, delete your old one or just start a new man entirely, like a new user, which kind of screws up your Miiverse posts and everything, you know? So uh, for Tadpole Trouble, we definitely are planning to have like at least three save files just kind of right there in the game itself because I don't know that's kind of the the standard it's been a standard way to do it since I mean Zelda Zelda one came out yeah <laughs> so I mean I I like that method you know I like I like restarting a game from scratch a lot of times and still keeping my old save yeah um, I'm the same way I got you know that first save slot is is once it's beaten it's sacred mm-hmm. yeah like if, yeah. if if you're gonna mess with it like my nephew if he, if he's gonna come over and play <laughs> with it because everything's unlocked he better not save. <laughs> like we we have to look in each other in the eye and have an understanding, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that's what bums me out. But I I, I let it go with Lego City Undercover. I hundred percented mm-hmm. that thing, and my time said you know forty some hours or however long it was. And I was like, yes, okay, that's my definitive time. But he loves the game so much, and I can't let him just run amok elsewhere. I just have to let him run amok in that thing. Which on the plus <laughs> side, he has access to everything. But now I'm at like sixty hours, and oh. And wow. I mean, it's it's just a silly detail, but us gamers, you know, we yeah, it's one of those things. That, yeah, I hear you. So yeah, I I I think that that's kind of the best way to do it is uh, having multiple save files. So I definitely want to do it like that. Okay, Joe, you were uh, you were bringing up something before the uh, the actual 
discussion here got started. Something about the 3DS. What did you want to bring up? Oh, yeah. Well, I was just uh, wondering. I know you, you know, you've only got this certain platforms in mind for right now, so we can even just speak conceptually about this. But mm-hmm. um, this kind of game, I feel like you really need, you know, like you're using every bit of a wide screen for this. And so mm. if I'm thinking, like, this is the kind of game I would love to have on the 3D, 3DS, if for no other reason than I don't have a Wii U yet. Oh. So, but as I was thinking about it, and that's more for money reasons than desire reasons, but um, right. but as I was thinking about this game on a 3DS, I was thinking, you know, is the 3DS screen too small, or is this something you think you could scale down and still have it be the same experience i mean i know you talked about the wii u gamepad but even that is a much larger uh viewing space than yeah. the 3ds or even the 3ds xl so um even just conceptually do you think something like this would work on a handheld or would I, it be I think obstacles it, you know I've, I've thought about the 3ds because uh i mean like you alluded to it, it it does have a big install base a lot of people have a 3ds and don't have a wii mm. u yet mm. um i guess there there is that trickiness that that's Part of part of the reason why I I'm kind of more focused on the Wii U is because, uh, like you said, that I think the characters are a little bit small. I think um, to make it that that same sort of dimension to where you can see the same amount in ahead of you that you can on the uh, standard version, um, you'd have to sort of crop the screen a little bit. Right. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure if if it would translate all that well to uh, the 3DS. But I, I mean, I think it's possible. You know, it would require some experimentation. But I mean, it's definitely not out of the question or anything. Right, because that just, that was my issue with when I would play um, some of the like Game Boy Advance Sonic games. Is I felt they were very well made games, but that I couldn't see far enough ahead of me. Yeah, the camera's kind of zoomed in a little more. Yeah. Was... so well, I couldn't yeah. get that the speed with that planning. And your game obviously involves a lot of careful planning as you're seeing. Mm-hmm the course layout in front of you so well right. even uh one of the oldest examples of that that i can think of is metroid 2 for the game boy mm-hmm. and um and i mean that that's notorious for having kind of a big samus sprite. Oh, didn't, didn't it look so good though it was so <laughs> i'm serious i, I haven't I'm actually so... played it so i can't speak I love to that samus so much looks in that game, so. but uh but, yeah. but still you know you can't see very well in front of you and that's a slow-paced game in comparison to something like like this like tap right. Trouble. so if if that was problematic in Metroid Two, um, yeah, obviously that would be that would be tricky to work around. But yeah, well, it's nice that the 3DS does have a wide screen, mm-hmm. uh, at least wider than the GBA and especially the uh, the Game Boy. But um, but yeah, that that would be something that we'd have to work around. Yeah, Joe and I were speculating too. You could have uh, you know, the the top of the water because in the demo you were showing off some cool things where uh, you you do utilize the space outside above the surface a little mm-hmm. bit and. Uh, if, if not just for flair in that particular level, but, um, you know, that could be the top screen of the 3DS and then the, the bottom oh, okay. stays water and, and you could play with that a little bit. Uh, okay, that's um, kind of cool because then you could jump out, you know, and you'll jump to the top screen for a moment yeah, or something. Yeah, and, you know, for okay. who knows who knows what. I mean, you're the you're the master, but uh, <laughs> but we were just, you know, fantasizing about your, your game that's that's not even made yet, but we were just trying to think of, <laughs> think of good things for the sequel, I suppose. <laughs> All right. People might already know these answers um, because you know by the time this does get edited and put out, your Kickstarter will begin. But how much are you hoping to earn as your base, and uh, can you tell us about um, you know how that money will be used uh, exactly, yeah. and and maybe afterwards tell us about stretch goals? 
if you have sure. any. Yeah. Um, the base that we uh, decided on is uh, $30,000. And we got to that number when we kind of uh, calculated all the fees that would, would go into this. Um, the thing is, my brother and I are, are working on this game. You know, we have we each have our own jobs. So this game has kind of been a hobby for us for a long time. Um, I, you know, of course, am a church pianist and I do Brown the Family. Uh, my brother, Michael, is a co-owner of a restaurant. And, uh, so we both, you know, have, have these, have these jobs going on. So what we want to do with this Kickstarter is be able to work more on the game. Um, you know, be able to afford to work more on the game since I'm handling all the art and the music and he's handling a lot of the level design and reaching out to people. Um, but the, uh, 30,000, a big part of that's going to go towards our programmer who, uh, we're going to need to hire, you know, full time for several months, probably eight or nine months to, uh, to really iron out all of the, uh, all the framework of the game, especially since each level kind of has its own little, um, thing. Like, for instance, we had to program the turtle snapping, uh, just for that one level. Um, and one of the things to keep in mind is a Kickstarter, the, uh, the initial goal, you know, if that, if that's reached, they take out about, uh, five to 10% from Kickstarter fees and from Amazon, uh, credit card fees. So right off the bat, you lose, uh, yeah, I'd lose, uh, I guess, two, two to three thousand dollars, I think. Um, other things that, uh, we kind of have to worry about our licensing fees with Nintendo, uh, the cost of the dev kit. That's if we hit our stretch goal for the Wii U, though. Um, but there's also, uh, we're kind of hiring a marketing person to, uh, help us market the game for the duration of the Kickstarter. We are, uh, spending a little bit of money on the reward tiers and the merchandise, um, for that. Um, I'm also including the books as one of the reward tiers. So, I mean, that costs money. And of course, the time involved, uh, just for us to, to, to spend on the game itself costs money. But, uh, short answer, most of that is going towards our programmer and the rest of it is going towards fees and, uh, tier costs. And I mean, I'll, and I'll honestly, we are not going to be making a cent in terms of just like profit from this. It's more, uh, all going towards the game itself. And, um, our stretch goals, uh, we think 50,000 would be a really safe bet for the Wii U version. That way we can have the extra time for the programmer to learn the ins and outs of the Wii U version and rewrite, uh, the code that, that's required for that. And it would also, um, like I said, that, you know, we, we could afford the licensing cost and the, uh, dev kit cost for that. Um, that's one of the stretch goals. One of the other stretch goals we have going on right now, I'm not sure exactly where it's placed just yet, but, um, uh, it's uh, going to be a couple of different modes. One's called Concerto Mode, which is sort of a uh, you know a bonus mode after you beat the game. You can play through all the levels in a row on one life uh, as sort of an extra challenge to see if you can uh, you know all levels uh, together to see if you know it's, it's an extra challenge to see if you can beat you know if you beat that you you get to unlock stuff. Um, and we 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 talked about multiplayer. Uh, that might actually be uh, one of the stretch goals if if we can if we can hit it. You know I think that'd be a really great thing to include. Um, there's also been talk of, uh, oh, uh, there's, depending on how much we, we raise, we, we can be able to afford to put in more levels into the game. So that's one of the other things that we want to focus on is more levels, more bosses, uh, make the value of the game itself go up. And since, uh, the game itself is just going to cost, uh, $7 on, on, you know, as a reward tier, and that's the planning cost once it goes for sale, you know, that, that's a really good value if, if we can hit those stretch goals and make the game have more and more features. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the more people that, that, you know, help support you, the, uh, the more value they're getting out of that $7 if that's what they chose to, uh, mm-hmm. to do. So that's, that's pretty good. That's more incentive to share with your friends, everybody. Yeah. And I mean, like seven bucks, on. that's, it's like a cost of a fast food meal, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, jeez. That's if, nothing. If that the type of pebble days. is like better for your heart and stuff. That's true, so, and it's better yeah. for your brain. Yeah, yeah, good for your brain. Yeah. Okay, well that's great. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to just seeing it all laid out. Obviously, uh, in the next couple of days. When again, this is going to be afterwards, but uh, you're putting this up when next week? Right? Tuesday. Tuesday. That's right. Magic Tuesday. Tadpole Treble Tuesday is, is... Tadpole Tuesday. That's nice. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that could be the sequel's name, too. <laughs> Tadpole Tuesday. With a digit, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, okay, so wonderful. Um, I guess, uh, Joe, do you have any other questions to ask about the Kickstarter or the game? Um, not really. I guess just, um, no, this is this is not like a real question at all. It's just a comment that um, has nothing to do with anything. But that is that... Turtles and frogs are two of my favorite creatures. Nice. And having only played but one level and one boss, you have managed to put both into your game. <laughs> well, great. So, I, uh, I really like turtles and frogs, too. So, They're good choice. Nice. And uh, I guess I'm wondering now if when you beat the game, does the tadpole stumble into some radioactive waste <laughs> under a house with a tank and maybe grow large size and then run off and have to be rescued. Is that maybe rescue, where this game's like, going? Or? Is, that, is that like a prequel to Blaster Master or something? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hadn't thought of it. That, that'll be the sequel, Blaster Master, Tadpole Trouble 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good so, idea. I, I'm going to I'm gonna say that's that's a secret for now. You know? Spoiler. <laughs> that could be can't, a secret stretch goal. Can't, yeah. can't say anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> secret stretch goal. Nice. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm, I'm excited. And I, it's, it's great to hear that... Uh, you know, you're using like the influences of, I mean, freaking, um, you know, uh, elite beat agents as for the cutscenes between the levels, and as I already identified, you've got like the Mega Man influence on the music, which is an amazing choice. And I like, I feel like even this genre of the gameplay mechanics is uh, is unique and has not really been tapped into all that much. And to have someone who is as equally passionate about music as they are about art and games uh i think that's in pretty good hands i think it's pretty exciting well thanks yeah i i, I really want to uh you know make make this as as good as it can be and i, I was a little worried when like uh you know harmonite was was announced for instance because <laughs> it was you know it's kind of a, a music-based game you know a kind of a runner game you know by the makers of pokemon so it's like oh man but but fortunately it ended up being pretty different than than tadpole trouble in concept so i i think i definitely think this uh this idea is still a, a unique one that hasn't really been done before yeah i mean i i my brain tends to look at any new game especially ones on kickstarter and say you know what's that like what's it remind me of and i see little bits of bit trip runner and tadpole trouble i see little bits almost of guitar hero but you seem to take these little elements and and you really do something different with them and, uh, and and just playing the demo the, that I've been so lucky to to have done, it, it feels different. It doesn't feel like I'm playing something that I've played before. Yeah, okay, and I, I will say, I mean, I play I played the Harmonite demo. I played all of Elite Beat Agents um, and and Guitar Hero, and like I I play uh, you know a, a number of musical instruments, and I never felt quite comfortable. I I think Elite Beat Agents was the closest. But but any of those, like especially like Harmonite, I played the demo and I was just like, ah, I'm not really clicking with this. Mm. The first time through the demo level for Tadpole Treble, I mean, I felt like the input I was getting, I was giving, was 
registering on the screen as I want. Oh, okay, great. So, so you know, I don't know. It seems like it should be such a such a staple of any such game, but it's apparently difficult to get right. And even BitTrip Runner, I mean, my goodness, I forgot to mention that, but um, yeah, that was when I was so excited for that game, and it was purely because I couldn't I just the rhythm of it was not quite clicking with me. And oh. it was one of those things where at some point I start feeling like there's no more that I can learn. There's something a little off in the mechanics. But mm. even just playing your game a few times, I mean I had no such problem no such problems, I should say. So Oh well thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean that's something that, that's that's important for me to hear because I, I really want it to be uh, intuitive and to fit with the music because I mean that's that's really the most important part is to uh, really feel like you're you're part of the song and I mean I, 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 this doesn't really relate to that but but I I kind of want to also uh, make sure that the game feels uh, you know pretty beefy you know I mean it, we're a small de- development studio but I, I I'm kind of thinking of various ideas for replay and stuff there's kind of going to be a a very rudimentary uh, like currency system you know we can get extra life pieces and things. And there's going to be kind of a unique challenge for each level as well that uh, players will go back and, and, and try to try to accomplish so they can uh, unlock like some sort of secret last thing, you know. So we're trying to focus on that too to, to make it uh, replayable. Now going back a little bit, uh, let me just make this observation that uh, that I made when I first played the demo. Um, while we have made references to these other games that are. I guess similar in terms of at least that they're music games, they're rhythm games, and that's what Tadpole Trouble is to some degree. It's a rhythm game. Uh, mm-hmm. But what's great about it, and I think it's a little freeing that isn't in, and well, Bitchup Runner is one of my favorite games, the the original. I like the second one, but the original is one of my favorite games uh, on the system, on the Wii. It uh, had great music, it had you know fun gameplay, etc. But it was you had to be perfect, and and not mm-hmm. in the sense of like skill, but you, you only had one option. Each At every single junction, you had one option. Tadpole treble, instantly, you're thrown in there, and I'm thinking, okay, I gotta, I gotta make sure I hit this bubble, I hit this bubble, okay, I gotta do this. It felt all very, um, okay, yeah, I've gotta do this correctly, but then I missed the bubble. It was the first time, I was like, oh, shoot. And I was like, well, wait a sec. The world's not over. I have a life bar. Okay, I see that. Um, I actually was able to choose my own path through the, the level while still being on that, that musical rhythm and the, the beat. So, it was. It's weird that I've never really played a, a music rhythm game before, where I actually had some sort of ability to uh, improvise and then do my own thing while also playing under the rules and laws of physics that the world presents to me. So hmm. it was kind of a cool, uh, freeing experience for a rhythm game. It is wow. true that most rhythm games, now that you mention that, they have like very sort of rigid. Um, you know, like when you're not moving, you're in, or when you're not controlling how you move you sort of naturally rest into one of these uh you know preset sort of spots or yeah, the, whole, the whole bit trip series does that right right mm-hmm. but but yeah actually but this game actually has a very uh i don't know if, if more analog is the right word but you know there's like a whole spectrum of uh you know it's just however up or down you feel like being at that point on the screen that's <laughs> up to you uh you know you have full control over that it's not like um it's not like say like you could have designed the game to have you stop at like the the different lines on the on the um music notes or, or something like that but mm-hmm. no you have that full range of control for those spaces in between which is 
Yeah, rather unique. Yeah. As yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys said that because um, when I first made the game uh, last year when I had the old demo, I don't know if you had played the original demo or not, but um, we kind of re- redid it from scratch. Um, the notes weren't spiky, so a lot of people swam into the notes at first and took damage. <laughs> and it took them a little while to understand they had to dodge the notes. And afterward, they would inevitably ask me, uh, "Why don't you? Why don't you get the notes in the game? You know, why? Why isn't? Why can't you catch the notes instead of dodging them?" And mm-hmm. I always felt that I I wanted to have the player have a little more freedom than that because if you got the notes and ah. that was it, you know, there there'd really be one path, one perfect path through the level. And I, I kind of didn't really want to do that. I wanted a little more freedom. So we we have the notes now, but we also added bubbles. So there's there's still things that you can get on occasion. Uh, that that keeps the player alert, but um, but you know there, there's there's still that that greater degree of freedom that uh, the player has. So I'm I'm glad that uh, that that kind of stands out uh, to you guys for for the game the way it controls. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. I didn't think about uh, about the why not get the notes part, but yeah, that sort of inherently gives you so much more freedom. Right. Well, uh, the other issue that 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 would have is if you, I mean, it would really limit the note. Uh, placement. You know, you couldn't have one that goes do 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 You know, you can't right. have a low note then right. a high note because you wouldn't be able to reach it in time. Right. Yeah, see, I, I just figured you guys were all noted out from Banjo-Kazooie. That was my <laughs> take on it, but I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, can I <laughs> You get a lot of notes you, in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a practical question that I just I just missed. Uh, mm-hmm. The, um, the little, there's little sort of, um, there's times when there's little, like, pink sparkly bits yes okay do you know what i'm talking about yes uh, wh- yeah what are those what do those do I don't, i'm not oh. sure what those are supposed to accomplish yeah we didn't we didn't, uh, we didn't actually go in we didn't I, I think we should probably mention that in the demo uh we're still you know we're still ironing out the demo but of course. um yeah of course. The, the idea is that the uh the bubbles are sort of the currency so it, it records your high score for the bubbles that you that you catch in the level and if you go through the level again all the bubbles will be back but if you beat your high score you'll you know that that high score will become your new bubble total um the sparkly stuff is very simple though it's just a it's a bonus area that gives you more points okay. gotcha so yeah so you want to aim for those whenever you get more points and we, we try to have spots where like you know, half of it, the screen will have bu- will have the uh, sparkly thing, and the other half will have food. So if like if you're good and you have full life, you can go for the bonus area and get extra points. While if you're low on life, you know you'll have to forego those extra points and get and get uh, more food to fill up your life instead. I like so. that. So mm-hmm. as the demo did show us, uh, a lot of it has to do with life. So instead of um, again with with the strict path of previous rhythm games in uh you know on consoles and everything. Uh, if you hit, if you miss a note, then that kind of ends your life, and you start over or whatever. Here, if you miss something, it, more like Guitar Hero, where if you miss a note, you just keep going, and and you uh, you just take a hit or whatever. Are you right. still gonna have some sort of minimum bubble uh, limit, like um, oh, so sort of requirement fail? to, to yeah, beat can you the level? F- can you fail a level besides life? Uh, that's an interesting question. Actually, we, um, I mean, I think that idea has merit. I'm not sure. If I, I guess that's something I'd have to kind of reflect on for a bit, because I'm not sure if that would enhance the experience or make it frustrating. Oh, and I don't—I couldn't tell you either. I was—I I agree that <laughs> but, there there are some like how it is I mean, now. There's, there's a good and bad side to to yeah. to both things, I think. Well, like uh, DDR or Step Mania or whatever, the computer version of DDR, which was mm-hmm. DDR was the first rhythm game I ever played, you know. And uh, and I loved it, but man, I loved it when I when I got it on the computer because I could play it, you know, even with my fingers. It was still fun, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just has kind of 
a precursor to rhythm games uh, that I would come to know later. But uh, I just hated when I would fail. Uh, I, I would change the settings eventually when I learned that I could do that. I would change the settings to just no fail. Um, yeah, my points wouldn't be that great, but I wanted to be able to experience the whole level and just kind of keep going. And, and when a game stops you, when you've hit, you know, say if you were to miss too many bubbles or, uh, or in some other game, you for some reason fail it. When you stop there, you never get to see what's after it. And you never get to kind of play the whole thing as one piece and then see where your weakness is. Yeah. And, uh, as a, as a whole level or a whole unit. And, um, and I think that's kind of, uh, not unfair, but just, uh, unfortunate, because it yeah. kind of, it just limits your scope of, of experience with the game. Right. You know, now that I think about it, like, we, we did want to appeal to a wide variety of, of, of people, you know. Um, I, I feel that, I feel that the game itself, we want to kind of have it fairly challenging to get through a level on its own. So that, um, so that beating the level would, would feel like, like an accomplishment and you, you wouldn't have to have a secondary goal. Because I, I think the other part of that is, is, um, from a narrative standpoint, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, I mean, the game doesn't have an in-depth, like a really in-depth story or anything, but I feel like, you know, if Baton's trying to get home, if she makes it through this, this dangerous area, that, that should, you know, that should be enough. You know, what, what stops her from, from continuing onward if she doesn't have enough bubbles, I guess. Sure. So we, we probably won't have that as a, as a, you know, as a limit. Okay. And, um, again, uh, unless Joe has more to say, unless you have more to say, uh, just a few other general questions and then, uh, we'll kind of mm-hmm. wrap this up. Um, so I saw that you commented on, on your website that Tuesday was going to be the start of, uh, it'll be the first day of the rest of your life possibly. And then mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of, uh, pressure you're putting on yourself, obviously, um, you know, to, to get this out and to do what you want to do. This is your passion. Um, kind of ignoring this for a second, what are your hopes for the future in general? Um, I mean, if this, well, I guess not ignoring this, if this does well, do you want to continue making games as uh, as a career or like trying to give yeah. us anything that you can say? I mean, I don't, life is so random. We don't really know what's coming, <laughs> but. I mean, that's, that's really what it's about. Um, I, I love doing Brawl in the Family, but I, it's not something I can do forever. You know, I, I feel like eventually I, I'm going to want to make my own. Um, I mean, not that it's not my own, but make something that a character and a world and a universe of my own. And it really ties back into video games. It's, it's something I've always really wanted to do, um, was designed for video games. And so if Tadpole Trouble does well, I, I feel like I'll have cleared a really big hurdle and that I'll have something to show for it. I'll have a video game to show for it that's playable, you know, that could be on my resume. And it means, you know, what's to stop me from making more video games. So I, I am kind of putting a, a lot of, emphasis on on this kickstarter because I, I feel like this could be the, the the very first step for me as a as a game developer and in uh branching forward and moving in into like that that passion that i've always really wanted to do so this is kind of a, a huge milestone for me personally and that's why i wanted you on frankly is uh i mean one you know you're you're a negative worlder like us and we really appreciate uh your contributions to the website and just you're a friend of ours, but I wanted yeah. people to get to know you a little bit better and get to know the project because it's really easy to look at a Kickstarter and just see a game and then think, well, do I want to pay for it? Okay. Like Mighty Number no. 9, you know, that just rocketed, you know, with its whole thing. <laughs> and everyone, yeah, that was so crazy. And everyone, yeah. who, you know, kind of went with it, or at least the discussions we had on the forums, it was more like, uh, well, is it worth me buying the game now? Like, it was all about the game, 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 game. Because obviously, uh, 
what is it? Inafune is the yeah. Inafune. Yeah, obviously he's you know he's had an established career. Like no one's thinking mm-hmm. about if he's going to be crying at night because he didn't get you know he's going to be fine. <laughs> it's the game whether what or not we want it. But here, I mean, yes, you want to have a good product. Uh, that's what you want to make. That's what we want to receive. That's what we want to play. But mm-hmm. uh, you know when you're hopefully uh, submitting to this Kickstarter, everyone out there listening. You're not just, you know, paying seven dollars for a game that that might come out. You're also kind of supporting, uh, possibly a friend or possibly just someone you respect. Uh, you're you're supporting their dream, and and frankly, I think that's uh, that's one of the great things about Kickstarter is you give people that opportunity uh, who may not have a way otherwise. And it's kind of yeah. a, a community support thing. Which, I mean, I, I live in a world or a mindset where uh, su- a supportive community is is a good community. And instead of us all thinking about ourselves. It's kind of nice to think about our neighbor. Yeah, well, thank you. Very, yeah. very eloquently put. Okay, well, then my last question that I got for you is uh, when this Kickstarter does pass, because we all have confidence in you and the, in, in the project, uh, when in, you know it's passed, you're working on the game, are you going to come back and discuss development with us? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd, be, uh, I'd be happy to. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm mainly doing the art and music and uh, sort of design side of things, so I won't be able to answer too many like uh, technical things but I'd, I'd be happy to let you know about all the uh sorts of hurdles we've had to overcome and things that you know that worked out nicely and you know you things just, that might have been difficult you won't just forget about us and insist on jeff keely forget about, i will never <laughs> <laughs> jeff keely man no I, I will never forget about negative world man it's the best the best message board with the best users you heard it here first yeah uh, no kidding, and, man. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, if you come back and, and talk about the game with us, you can bring your programmer and your brother and, and other people. Oh, yeah. and, you know, yeah. we could have a whole uh, a blowout just to hear how it's going. We'd love an We'd update to, uh, to discuss. I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, no last comment, Joe. Anything else? Buy Tadpole Trouble. Support Yay. Kickstarter. Yes. Thank you. Please. I had a last comment. There you go. And, mm-hmm. and my last comment's going to be uh, the same thing. Ditto. Um, but also, again, I don't know what the, the, all the stretch goals are, but I can imagine that if there's any sort of, you know, art or paraphernalia like that, just based on his brawl in the family, you know, uh, store and everything that's, that's there, you can guarantee you're going to get some quality stuff there. So it's going it, to, it'll pay off to go higher than, than the, the base game, I think. Yeah. So I encourage yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely that. trying to make, uh, that, uh, enticing. Um, I'm working on like a, you know, a digital soundtrack is going to be right above that. And, uh, nice. One of the things I want to do is a uh, digital travel guide, which is kind of like a manual, but it's more in-depth. It's going to have, like, uh, all the levels. It's like the really good old-school uh, instruction manuals where you have, like, the creatures <laughs> and you have little bios before them. And, like, each level will be written out like like you're visiting there. It's like, come visit Scenic Turtle Pipes. You know, I'll have a picture of the turtle. And it'll have, like, art, you know. And, and I really want to make it a really nice kind of companion to the game. So that, that's a couple of the, the smaller uh, rewards, for instance, for the tiers. Great. That sounds. Really would you cool. have? Mm-hmm. Would you have at least one part of the manual written like by a translation team that knows nothing <laughs> about the original? <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I might, like, I might uh, consider doing that. Some intentionally yeah. uh, mistranslated enemy names or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you could do what uh, what the NES, did, you know, what a lot of NES games did, where the art and the manual look nothing like the game itself. <laughs> yeah, it's all know. westernized. It's pretty good. <laughs> So Matthew, do you have any uh, anything else you want to add, or have we gone through it all? Um, I'm just uh, I'm just happy to be a part of uh, this podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me on, and uh, 
please uh, support Tadpole Treble and or spread the word because this is the dream that I've always wanted to achieve. Absolutely, brother. Sounds good, yeah. Yeah, so, thank you. So that wraps up another episode of the Nagger World Podcast. Uh, we'd like you to comment on what you've heard uh, as well as submit to the Kickstarter. Um, but you can comment on what you've heard on negativeworld.org. You just got to find the thread associated to the episode. Um, and hell, find Triforce Bun on there and uh, and chat him up and mm-hmm. uh, and encourage him and give him you know give him some words and uh, tell him that you submitted to his. Uh, that's not the right word. Submitted, contributed. I don't know what the hell. I'm submit saying. to me. <laughs> submit to the Kickstarter. Contributed <laughs> is a much better word. I admit, I've I've got some funky uh, word choices sometimes. Anyway. Uh. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, find him, find the thread. Let's, let's chat about this. Um, if you don't want to subscribe to Negative World, though, uh, you can reach us to the Facebook page. You just got to search for negativeworld.org. Or you can follow us on Twitter at negative underscore world. Uh, please remember to listen to the subscribe, uh, or subscribe to the Enhanced Podcast uh, if, you, uh, if you're into that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, thank you, uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Joe. Thank yes, you, guys. Thank you both. It's, this is awesome. It's been great, yeah. It's been great talking to you, man. All right, yeah. Nice fucking y'all, too. Yeah, you guys have a, uh, a wonderful night, and Matthew, good luck. All right, good thank luck, you. buddy. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>